You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everyone, this is Music Tectonics, and I'm your irregular podcast host, Trister Neuer Jaeger. I am lead writer and strategist at Rock, Paper, Scissors PR, a music tech PR firm. And today I'm talking about tech tools and music marketing with Ben and Luke Mendoza, the founders of BeatChain, a truly independent artist career development toolkit that has a lot of different features that we'll talk about today and that touches on a lot of different sides of the industry that honestly don't get enough love. And um, even though they're necessary for every single artist out there, we don't talk about the principles and the the basics behind how all this stuff works. Hopefully, Luke and Ben will give us some help there. All right. So thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Lovely to be here. Great. I would love for you both or for one of you to tell me a bit about how you landed in the music industry because it was sort of an interesting path. As I recall, you had an artist that you sort of took on as a uh, that you really championed because you saw his struggles and you wanted to make life easier for him. Can you um, go back in time and tell me a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It's an interesting story actually because we've always been great music lovers, but uh, spent most of uh, our careers actually in the tech industry, um, looking at sort of big data and uh, mining that for insights and so on. Um, and a few years ago, as we were looking to have a band come and entertain us at our last company, MBSL. Um, I'd come across this uh, new band online, which was called Brother Strut, and uh, they were crowdfunding to raise money for their their album at that time. And uh, one of the things they were offering was, you know, we will come and play at your event if you, you know, if you help us crowdfund. So we took them up on that. And they're a great band and they came. We had a great evening. At the end of that evening, I sort of sat down with the leader of that band, a guy called Steve Jones. And he started to tell me, you know, the story uh, behind how he got there, which was, you know, he'd had a, a, a pretty successful career in the music industry. He's a very successful musician and producer and um, had had a record deal, which he'd come to the end of. And he effectively sort of got dropped by the uh, label he was with, um, but was frustrated that to make a living in the industry, um, there were so many sort of layers of management above him um, that, you know, that he ended up as a musician with very little out of the effort he was putting in. So he decided when he started this band, Brother Strut, that he would promote it himself. Uh, he would learn about um, social you know, media marketing and so on. He put himself on courses and he did very well, actually. He was doing a good job. The downside of it was, was that he found it was taking all his time to actually manage the different campaigns he was trying to run to arrange, you know, uh, to sell tickets and uh, all the other things he was trying to do that way, that he had very little time left to actually be a musician and be creative. And this is where, if you like, the two worlds met because we could see how what he needed to do was gather all the data that was important, which seemed to be very disjointed in the music industry. You know, there was lots of different tools he was using. They all had a piece of the jigsaw, but you couldn't really see the full picture. And we could see that, you know, with a, with, with a bit of creative tech, you could 
gather all that information into one place and then use some data science and some you know sort of smart approaches to drive the advertising and add automation so that you wouldn't have to have so much human oversight on it all the time and that's really how the whole idea got started and for the first year or so Steve was a member of VeChain he's gone back into music now he's uh, he's actually out in Thailand at the moment um, uh, producing more work there but that's how it came together that's excellent um, so how, where did you start? What tools felt the most essential to build? I mean, obviously things are changing very rapidly, but back as you got started on BeatChain, where did you feel you needed to start first to be of most use to artists? Well, that's quite interesting from the point of view of um, sort of almost immediately we had this idea to build something that we now call Fan Builder, um, uh, which was, if you like, a very smart machine that would look at all the data and decide the best way to run campaigns to achieve certain goals. Uh, and maybe those goals were for, for an artist would be, you know, I want to build my fan base. I want to, sort of, you know, I, I'm only just starting out. I need to tell the world I'm here. Um, and it might be a cold audience that I'm, I'm, I'm first going to. Or, or it might be that I've I'm, I'm about to drop a release and I need to tell the world it's coming. I need to do some pre-saves. I need to do these different things. And depending on the different goals that you might have, you're going to try and aim at and target different audiences that will be receptive and engaged with you um, as you do that. So we thought about building this um, this software that would do that. And and, and soon after we, we, we started in really investigating it, we realized that we need a whole bunch of other components um, to make that work. So uh, we uh, didn't end up building Fan Builder until right at the very end once we built all the other sort of pillars that it needs to stand on. Maybe uh, Luke can come in here and talk a bit about those. Yeah, no, that's not a problem. I, I'd say that, Ben, there was a period before even Fan Builder where we were actually a label, yeah. where we did a lot of learning. Um specifically around promotion so the whole concept of fan builder and this idea of buying digital ads primarily facebook and instagram came from the necessity we had at the time to buy ads um we were very good in certain situations and we were learning a lot and we had some good best practice knowledge and experience knowledge from steve's experience but as we came to realize very quickly we were much better at the tech side than managing bands while trying to build everything. So from that learning, we realized a few things. One, you actually make decisions on two or three pieces of data at any given time. And you, you don't you don't often take all of them into account. Sometimes it comes naturally. So the first thing we built was the kind of insights overview, which is uh, a pretty simple artist-first dashboard, which is still in the product today. Obviously, it's come a long way since then, which allows artists to gather all the information of their digital footprint about the high-level social numbers, what tracks are doing well on Spotify, which posts are performing best. Uh, we give them a score for that, uh, all the way through to what playlists they're on and they could have appeared on. Um, and then after that, we had a few other features that have kind of come in and out with the product, depending on where the market's been, what the demand's been. But essentially, that that insights portal 
was was the first kind of major thing that we required. And then after that, we built um, some time-saving features. So what we call hyperlinks, which are kind of smart link equivalents um, that allows you to run your pre-saves and, and push people towards your back catalog, as well as promoting your website, your videos, whatever tickets you want to sell, etc. Uh, essentially very easy to spin up mobile-first landing pages with all the relevant customizability for the different links. Um, and and then we also built an entire distribution platform, which is now the basis of our <laughs> basis of what Beachain does um, with our partners Fuga. And then after that, um, we built a few other features. I'd probably say that the the most used one after all that would actually be Fan Builder now, as we've des- we're deciding to retire a couple of the others. Um, so it was a it was a very strange journey actually. Um, which now we look back at it, it, we went in a very odd route, but you you never really learn these things without trying everything first and working out what works and what doesn't work. And we did a lot of trial and error. And actually in the last couple of weeks, we've decided to, um, to cut out a couple of features that we, you know, which we think in the long term might become very valuable, but we just want to focus on the things that our user base and artists of all different levels are actually using every day. Um, and it turns out that some of the things we built, which are, which actually are amazing pieces of tech, just aren't exactly what's needed in the market space. So we're reacting to that um, as quickly as we can. I, th- I think that's true. And I, I think also that what we found is that as well as building great tech, you need to have education as a big part of what you do because you can build something and say, okay, here's a, here's, here's a distribution tool, distribute your track with us, and somebody can produce a track and distribute it. That works very well. But it doesn't mean to say that that track's going to be successful. You know, when you look at the stats of how many releases there are, to, you know, per day, I think it's some something around 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every day. Uh, I think that's the right number. Um, you know, you're just one of that. 60,000 and you know there's a lot of noise out there some are great some are not so great and some are awful but what you have to do and I think this is where BeatChain really comes into its own is you need to really use as many tricks that you possibly can to make sure that you are going to be as successful as you can when that when that track drops and that requires some planning and some campaigns and, and other things. And again, probably looks best to, to talk about the details there. I'd say very quickly, it's content. Uh, every artist we work with at every different level, and we've had the privilege of working with some very large artists now, as well as bedroom artists and, and, and onwards. Um, they all need content proliferation. You need different levels of content for different types of interaction and different parts of your digital footprint. Um, but content is always is always the key. So when a track drops, we we now ins- insist that if we're doing a large campaign, it's going to have you know playlist pitching and it has a whole team involved and managers and creatives etc. That we get a release teaser of the track at least you know it's a two minute kind of edit of the music video. Um, have some form of music video planned. Look at getting a lyric video edit of it as well. Um, make sure you've got loads of content ready to go across your 
different social media platforms, make sure you've got a plan to put your, you know, your relevant stories out and do Q and A's and interact with your audience. And all of that is true, no matter what genre you're in and, and what format your release is taking, the, the, the key is lots of content. Because again, no matter how good our tech is and, and how much experience and knowledge we have, it really will come down to how good the track is and how willing to graft that the artist is. Um, and those two things, you can normally find the right combination. The perfect content hits the perfect audience and then the artist works hard to nurture them and bring them up and really turn them into to super fans. It's the term we always use. And, and that's that's the game, really. That's really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you actually about how, you know, it seems in music promotion, there are a thousand paths you could possibly take and that so many artists are coming up with their own ways and their own approaches and they, you know, whatever platform their fans may be on versus just the sort of what used to be in the more traditional music promotion, you know, there were, there were sort of way stations, there were clear paths. Um, and, and now it's like, not that anything goes, but that every artist kind of has to figure it out on their own. I'm wondering, are there any baseline tools or other really basic things that you think apply across the board? I loved what you were saying about content, Luke, that content and having enough and just getting it out there with the track is really essential. But are there some basic tools you see almost everyone using that, you know, are important from a tech perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it does depend on genre. It, that specific question depends on genre, just in that, especially during the times we're in at the moment with COVID, uh, I mean, for the UK, the vaccine's rolling out, we're starting to ease off, you know, I can see some festivals going ahead in the summer, so gigs are starting to come back onto the horizon over here. Um, but over the last year, the genre you've been in has really mattered as to what tools you'll be using to build up an audience ready for when you can interact with them again. So all of this should always be seen as everything you do online should be seen as nurturing new fans uh, and finding people who understand your brand, your sound, however you view yourself, so that when normality returns, you have an audience that you can more easily monetize. So we're not saying that every artist right now is going to launch a track and sustain themselves from their streaming because that's unlikely or even excellent merch and stuff, but anything they can do to find more fans and really get them interacting with their content and their personal brand is, is all, is all good. And, and some of the tools that I have seen people use kind of uh, by genre within the, Within the EDM community and kind of with a number of my friends being kind of DJs and that's the, their hobby of choice, I see a lot of them use really simple tools to get almost kind of like educational content out on across their TikToks and SoundClouds where, um, and Instagram where they kind of explain the tech they're using as that's a really good way of interacting with other like-minded musos in that particular community and I've seen them use kind of splice tools for TikTok and um, some there's lots of free kind of um, streaming uh, apps which people have been using uh, I'm trying to remember the one off the top of my head there's a camera that comes with a application that allows you to stream across YouTube Instagram um, and Facebook live all simultaneously um, and I've seen a few people use that a lot whereas in 
genres which are probably more um, slightly less ad hoc, I'd say, where there's a lot of planning and writing and people go away to studios, etc. I think the thing that people have probably used most, which sounds almost corny, is the fact that people have started to use DMs and direct messaging in different apps, which are completely free. Obviously, it's not at all um, much more than they ever did before. And I think networking has been a challenge. Um, I have to say I'm not a big fan of digital um, events, uh, particularly. I just don't think it, it works very well, especially for artists who need to do a lot of networking and interacting with a lot of people. And I found that from the conversations I've had, especially with singer-songwriters, indie bands, and a few rock bands, the thing that they're doing every day, other than the basic things of you know interacting with their fans and replying to comments, et cetera, et cetera, is trying to make more connections with other artists that they can collab with and they can make more interesting content with and they can work with digitally. So, you know, all the basic kind of digital collaboration tools like Slack has been huge. I've seen lots of artists jump on there and have channels where they share ideas and content with each other um, and you can get free accesses to that. And then obviously the the other common sharing platforms like Dropbox and SoundCloud and all, all kinds of other areas. I'd say those are kind of, there are genre-dependent ones, but those are the areas where I've seen the most change over the last year or so. Oh, that's interesting, especially the DM side of things. Um, so I'm wondering, it feels like emerging artists, so artists that are just trying to break in and establish themselves in their career, um, maybe chart a path forward, have a very particular set of challenges and I'm wondering where you see the main pain points for those challenges. I mean, obviously for those artists, I mean, obviously it's like you need people to know about you and those kind of things. But I'm wondering if we get a little more specific and talk a bit about um, how you see people using the tools on BeatChain to go from zero to 100 fans or 1,000 fans. or And how are people building uh, their fan bases in this crazy time? Yeah, well, there are... I think, to, to Luke's point, that will be different slightly depending on the genres that they're in. Um, and, you know, knowing how to find those fans and what those fans are using to learn about music and, and discover new new artists and so on. You know, if you're a sort of trad jazz musician, um, it, it's, it's probably likely that you've got more Facebook followers than, uh, than you would ha- have on, you know, some of the, if you like, in, in inverted commas, younger platforms. Um, but, I, you know, the, the key message is to try and engage with uh, your fan base. If you're starting out from, from zero, then it's always great to have a story to talk about how you sort of came into the music uh, world yourself, uh, what you you know what your beliefs are, what your music is based on, sort of telling that, giving that sort of narrative to go along with it uh, as, before you sort of just make a music video and push that out there, uh, because nobody's had a chance sort of to get to to know you and sort of interact with you. So um, we found that um, some of the most engaging con- content we've had from artists that have used Beat Chain has been relatively lo-fi material that they've recorded on their iphone just when they're sort of setting up with their with their friends to 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 perform the music you know talking about some of the background story really helps 
to 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 generate you know true inter- interest from the the fans that then sort of come back um and uh you know once you're starting to get a lot of people um you know interacting and listening with you that it's at that it's at that point that you stand a much better chance of um you know, creating a substantial audience that you can then build lookalikes to as well, so that you can, you know, find out what other interests those those fans have in common, uh, because that opens you up to you know new audiences that you know may not be geographically very local to you, but share the same sorts of interests, and 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 that really helps a lot in terms of uh, when you're first starting out. Great. Let's take a quick break and then we'll continue this awesome conversation. Hey, I love meeting Music Tectonics listeners at our events and I want to make more opportunities for you to meet and connect. That's why I host a Music Tech Conversation on Clubhouse, the audio-only social platform everyone's talking about. No, not the only audio social platform. Everyone has one of those these days. Meet up with me every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 11 a.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. in the UK. Every week is different and anybody could drop by. So join us. Follow me on Clubhouse at Dimitri. That's at D-M-I-T-R-I or the Music Tectonics Club, which you can find in the search there. See you on Clubhouse. Now I want to ask you a couple questions that are kind of fun and maybe a little bit um, inviting of, I don't want to say of controversy, but <laughs> that, uh, but you know, I'm wondering. It, you guys deal with all sorts of platforms all the time, from social media platforms, streaming platforms, etc. And I'm wondering if you could change one or two things, like if you could wave a magic wand and change the way ads work on a certain platform or the way um, social media posts or promotions work. What would it be? What would you change in the system right now that would make life better for artists? Do I only get to fix one? Or do I get to fix all of them? You, I mean, I, I, we got we got some time, so you know, maybe ten, top ten. Yeah, I'd say the biggest problem by miles, I mean by miles, is probably an Instagram, and that's for every artist. Is that Instagram is still, if not the primary, one of the primary ways that people discover new artists and music. However. The way in which you are able to interact with the platform by and building ads and promoting yourself as a new artist and targeting new audiences that might like your music is incredibly clunky and generally a bit shit. Um, so the example being, if you wanted to find new fans that uh, say you want to chase, say you're uh, a jazz, new jazz musician and you want to find fans that you want to find people that are like the fans of Marcus Johnson, who we, we work with, he's a great musician. Um, you could maybe pick him as an interest on the targeting and you could go into business manager and build it. But then when the ad actually gets served to them, what they see is the video and like the CTA never quite lines up with what you want to do, which is to come and discover your music and follow you. Um, and it leads you off the main kind of narrative of what you've been streaming through it leaves you off feed to kind of a pop-up within Instagram, which then opens Instagram again and then on the page. And then they have to go through like, it's a rigmarole to get a follower that way. So essentially the, the major, the major platform on which, you know, so much music and new music is discovered is kind of rigged against artists that want to find new fans, which is an issue. That's a major problem. Um, 
that's one of the major problems. I mean, it's not it's not impossible to overcome. And there are some aspects of Instagram's recent changes around, you know, making it easier to build stores into your posts and to sell merch easier is great. But that I think is probably the biggest thing dogging a lot of musicians at the moment. That and I still don't think that Spotify's studio has got anywhere near the potential it could be. And I'm sure it will become in time. I I, I think there should be better ways. I mean, I I think most people go to Spotify to discover new music, right? People love Release Radar and their Discover Weekly and, you know, all the fans also like and all that kind of stuff's amazing. But in terms of advertising and from where we're sitting, representing artists that want to find new people, um, the way those systems work at the moment where you might be able to put, you know, 30 seconds of your track into an ad that gets delivered to just free users but doesn't then necessarily get the impact it wants and doesn't necessarily get the save ratio you need to get more playlisting, etc. Um, I think that's an issue, but I have confidence that in time that will become a very powerful resource. So if I, if I could change one thing, it would be the way Instagram works. It should be easier to encourage people to follow you if they like what you've put out there as your, with your content. But it is, that is very tricky and bloody awful actually. Okay, hear that hear that IG dev team. Yeah, I'm sure Zuckerberg's quaking. <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, that is that is um that's sad that there are so many artists that use Instagram um and really love using Instagram. They really enjoy it as I think as users as well as people, you know, seeking other people to alert to their creative output. Um so that's a shame that the platform isn't really serving them as well as it could. Um so what do you guys think the future holds besides hopefully Instagram fixing that um, <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> uh, Rube Goldberg like machine to, to get people to follow you and Spotify ads getting better. And I could definitely see that improving. I mean, I'm a premium user and I have yet to see an ad that feels truly relevant to my interests, even though I listen to a lot of music and have a lot of playlists yeah, I agree, and all that. Uh, I agree with yeah. that sentence entirely. I mean, every I'm on, I'm on Spotify. I'm, I'm also a premium user and I, you know, share it with my housemates, but you know, the, the premium fan family plan or whatever it is. And I'm on it, you know, hours and hours every day. It's open at all times on one of my monitors on my screen. I'm always looking for new music. And, uh, the, the way in which I discover it is going, you know, from artist to artist, like everyone else, but the ads are pretty naff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which there's, as, there's... we sit on the side of the fence that tries to buy these ads for artists. So it's always worrying when, you see the experience well, of a consumer and it's not what you'd want it to be. Yeah, yeah, it does. It definitely raises some questions if you're an artist team looking to looking to buy the right ad. Um, well, cool, but that means there's room for improvement and it means things could get better. And um, I'm wondering, both of you, if you want to weigh in on what you think the future holds for uh, artist promotions, for ads, what cool innovations do you imagine? What things would you love to see like in a sci-fi type future? What crazy new things could artists do um, to engage fans or that fans could do to, to reach and find um, new musicians? I mean, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I can go first, Ben, if you want. Yeah, go on. You go um, first. I'll come up with something. Um, <laughs> there are probably two areas that I'd love to see. I'd love to see us go improve on what it, again, ignoring COVID, assuming it's not there. 
if we were to go back two years, the thing that we were really pushing new artists to do and artists of all sizes to do was to get more in contact with their local live scene, um, especially newer artists. The fact that you can play, again, I'm going to use terms that are relevant to the UK here. You could go to your local pub that has a little stage and, you know, a PA or whatever, and you can play for free most of the time or, you know, bring... 10 of your mates down who all drink at the bar and then play and doing more of that. If I could, if there was a world where there was some kind of application uh, and I don't think we should build this before you get any ideas, Ben, uh, there was some kind of application or system where you could see all the local live venues that had, you know, either open mics or that you could book for a nominal fee and get, you know, a sound engineer and stuff that would encourage people to play more local live gigs. It will make them better musicians. It's an amazing source of lo-fi valuable content because your mates can film it on their iPhone. I think that improving that all over the world would be an amazing thing for the whole industry um, in almost a going back to its roots system. But it's just, it is a bit hit and miss currently and it needs some improvement that. That and I think... Um, the way in which people consume music now is leads it to being not necessarily the best environment for artists. Um, I'm one of the people that believes that the consumption of music should be slightly more expensive for the end user. Um, and I'd like to see a world where everything got slightly more expensive and artists and the teams around artists saw more revenue from people consuming their consuming their hard work i think you know uh, i don't blame any one person in particular i think the whole system is contrived against some independent artists um so if i was to hope for any kind of changes it would be it would be to see an increase in kind of all kinds of revenue whether that's prs or streaming or anything like that i think that 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 needs to change in the industry yeah. Yeah, bigger pie in general would be would be I mean, very welcome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just think providing it differently, yeah. Yeah, I mean because we work at we're at the gritty end as it were. So we see every part of the process from, you know, the artist's hard work to getting it delivered, to getting it on stores to sing, you know, then encouraging people to go and listen to your music and getting fans and getting streams and once you build all that traction you're getting 0.003 cents per stream most of the time it just the the logist like the the mathematics of it is is a bit brutal um so a a, a world in which that was improved would be high on my list yeah no i mean there there are some unfortunate you know clear facts in the industry which is you know if you sell a t-shirt you're going to make so much more money through that one transaction than you would from you know, streaming. In fact, for for many sort of artists starting out, they they never make as much as they they'd make on 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 one T-shirt. But you know, we we all wish that um, that was rebalanced somewhat, and more of the more of the funds could make their way to the to the actual you know creators themselves. And that and that's really a big part of the story behind. Beat chain, and, and while we're here, we are trying to um, democratize it a bit more. Uh, in that sense, um, in, in terms of what I'd like to see in the future, I, I, 
you know, I'm a I'm a lover of reporting and 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 looking at the data that comes back and you know a way of being able to show musicians exactly what's working and what isn't working so that they can easily see what they should concentrate on more is is you know part of what we're 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 planning to build at beat chain as well so um you know it's one thing to say run this campaign um but if it didn't work or you didn't get the response you you hope to get it would be good to really understand you know the reasons why that was and it's it's very difficult to attribute um things very accurately at the moment but i think we're getting better at it um whereas when things do go well it's good to obviously better see that too and be able to do more of that and you know our dream is to you know build the uh, build the platform, the B-Chain platform, so that it can not only sort of direct people more clearly as to what's working and what isn't, but actually automatically to, you know, do more of the right things while the artist sort of sleeps. So you, you put your ads out there and the B-Chain platform monitors what's going on and and increases the volume on the ones that are doing well and and turns down the ones that aren't doing well for you because you know going back to the, the roots of all this uh, again you know musicians want to be musicians they're very good at you know playing their guitar or, or or drums or whatever else it is they do they're not necessarily going to be experts in all the idiosyncrasies of facebook business manager um, so it's our job to try and do that better. So, you know, it, as the future progresses, I'd like to see us have more and more control over how that that works within the platform. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Luke and Ben. Um, this was Luke, a chat with Luke and Ben Mendoza of Beat Chain. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Music Tectonics podcast and have a great one. Hey, if you're intrigued by what you're hearing, check out the show notes for this episode at musictectonics.com slash podcast. We've gathered links so you can learn more about today's guests and dig into the hot innovations and trend-setting companies we mentioned. While you're there, you can check out past episodes and learn more about Music Tectonics events. Sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date with everything we do. Hey, thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Become a part of the Music Tectonics community, a social network just for music tech aficionados like you. It's free to join. Use it on the web at app.musictectonics.com. Find the mobile app for Apple and Android devices in the relevant app stores. Connect with people from all corners of music and tech. Answer the big question and meet me there on Together Tuesdays. There's more about the community app, this podcast episode, our annual conference, and our newsletter at musictectonics.com. Peace! You're listening to Music Tectonics.